The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch for reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to this week's podcast, and I'm delighted to be joined by an absolute Sligo superstar. Way bigger than anyone in a boy band in Sligo. Westlife who? And that is Paul Quinn. Thanks so many for joining us, Paul. It's good to be here. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, what do you do for a crust? So currently, um, I am in a job that I love, and I am a news reporter with Virgin Media Television. Brilliant. What age are you? What age would you think I am? Oh, don't do this to me now. Why Come not? On. <laughs> Come on now. What I have age? a face for radio. I'd <laughs> I'd go say, on, go for it. Right, I'd say you're 39. Oh, I'm 41. Oh, very good. It's not really, but... Well, as long as I come in under the <laughs> radar a little yeah. bit there. Uh, you and I go way back. We do. We used to work together in Shannon Side Radio. I'm a bit of a radio slut. I kind of just bounce <laughs> around from radio station to radio station. And um, we're, I, I kind of feel like me and you have a, have a bond and a connection and we're really good friends but we don't talk to each other very often yeah but i feel like i could text you in six months and ask you for anything and you yeah. do it and i just feel like i, feel but I think like, i think that kind of friendship is, is hard to come by because i think when you are like even it doesn't you know we worked together for a couple of years but you can you can form that really close bond and you just get on with someone you just click with them yeah i have loads of friends like that now i have to say some of my my closest friends are literally friends i walked in the gates of primary school with so most of my close friends are still my closest friends for the last 36 years. But then I have, you know, friends that I've made over recent years and different jobs and different radio stations and, and through TV. But I love that I have friends like that that you might not see maybe once a year, but you go right back there. And it's never awkward. It's never weird. You just like kind of get back to where you are. And you're always very supportive as well. And like, I mightn't hear from you for three months and you'd send me a text saying, fair play to you, or, you know, that was And there you, there you are putting up reels and TikToks every day. <laughs> and I, you only hear from me every three months. Must be a good one. <laughs> but what I loved about you and Shannon Side Radio was that you were an awful messer off the air. And we had the best of crack in the production suite. But then the second the microphone went on, I've never seen anyone so professional. 
and that you could you could have said something two seconds before the mic went on. <laughs> I'd be key, I'd be bent over in the corner in a knot laughing, and you'd be the second the mic goes on, game on. That's the job. That's the gig. Oh, I don't know. I'm a messer full time. I ca- you know, yeah, I find no, it very hard. I, I I I totally get what you. I take my job really seriously. I think, you know, I. I at the end of the day, it's it's a job. I see it, it's not your life. Like my dad would always say that, like your your job is your job, your life is your life. Um, but I take it very seriously, and, and I, as I said, I love what I do. So you know, I try and be as professional as I can. But I get such a buzz out of it. Um, but then, yeah, of course, I like having the crack. And I suppose maybe that's a side to me that a lot of people, you know, who are watching the news every evening might not necessarily see. So we're here in Sligo today and we're at the Clayton Hotel. They've kindly uh, put us up for an hour or two to record this podcast. And you're from Sligo. Yeah. What part? Uh, From a small village called Riverstown. So it's about a 15 minute drive. So what was it like growing up there? It was the best. Like I have to say, for people who haven't been to Riverstown, it's a really quaint, picturesque village. Um, What's in it? It's on, oh, there's loads in it. We have Sligo Folk Park. One of the largest tourist attractions in the northwest. WBH in there now or something. They were all in it Ara, at one stage or another. Sligo is like, <laughs> what will we put here? Ara, I don't know. Stick something got to do with WBH in there, and they'll all come. It actually is. It's really worth your your while uh, if you want to check it out. Sligo Folk Park. Um, I used to be the manager there years ago. Before so tell I us a little before bit about I got it. into my my radio career. What is it? So it started off way back in the nineties. A group of people, including my granddad, who saw. You know, nothing much happening in the village. People were emigrating. There wasn't, there wasn't that many jobs. And they set up this enterprise company. And they took out a mortgage on a house. Um, and they bought this house and like six acres of land with it. And there was different ideas over and back through the years. It was a caravan park at one stage. It was going to be something else. And then they had all of these artifacts and things that people from, you know, the 19th century that people kept donating to them. And they were running vintage days um, every year that have a huge vintage day. They were running summer pantomimes, all this kind of thing. And they ran four schemes at the time and getting people, you know, on training schemes. There's some really successful people there out there now who started off in the folk park um, doing their training. And that's how it all kind of started off. And then it's just developed from there. And it's now, yeah, it's a tourist attraction, Sligo Folk Park. And the unreal foresight. Absolutely. And, And the same people, some of the same people like Hugh Kelly and, and Michael Tui and these different people who started off are still directors of the company, who are still involved on a day-to-day basis trying to keep it all running. Now, there's, there's staff there and there's it, it's run on um, the public government scheme helps out supporting it. But, you know, we rely on people to come through the doors. We rely on ticket sales, all of that. And we run different events. We used to run a Christmas event called Santa Town for like 20 years that I was in. Um, and all of those events kept it ticking over like day to day and what else is in the town then is there a pub and a post office? oh yeah there's a couple of pubs there's the post office there's churches community halls right i mean it's their typical village but it's very i would have to say it's a really picturesque kind of village and it was a great place to grow up you know we come from a large family grew up with an awful lot of cousins are the same age as us we're lucky that my both my parents have a lot of brothers and sisters living around how many is in your family so my brother, I, there's three of us, so I have two brothers. Um, I'm the oldest, and then, but my mum is one of nine, my dad was one of seven. Okay, um, loads of cousins. And like, we just grew up in, you know, my grandmother's house, and like, cousins yeah. everywhere, went to school with them, and we're still really close. That, that, you know, people are kind of, I remember I was telling one of the, the cameramen one day we were talking, I was saying, oh, my cousin... My cousin's there, and oh, I have another cousin from there, and I have another cousin. And they were like, How many cousins? Like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. I have 20 cousins, around 20 cousins on each side, so about 40 first cousins. And how far was the school then from where you live? Oh, like five minutes away. Now, we just live outside the village, so we, but like, oh, less than five minutes. Right. Yeah. What, what was school like for you? I loved school. Like, thinking back, I don't think I have any bad memories. As I was saying, and all my friends, like most of my close friends, we all started school together. And you just got on with it. Yeah, it was just, it was a really nice place to go to school. Small school, like, you know, two, three teacher school. I do actually have to say, now that I mentioned school, my, my teacher, um, Mary Gilligan, and I, I, I said this to her before, I don't think I'd be in the job I'm in now if it wasn't for her. Oh. She was a huge influence in my life. That's lovely to be able to say that. Yeah, because I think growing up, I'm from a big GA family as well. 
and, and I don't play GA. Why, why her specifically? You. Like, were you not just with her for a year then? Or, or We went into Mrs. Gilligan's room in second, third and fourth class. Oh, you had her for three years? Yeah, we had her for three years. But she got me, as I, like, I was just saying, the GEA is such a big part of, of all my family. But I was never, I just, it, I just didn't play. It never was kind of yeah. appealed to me. But she got me involved in <laughs> acting and in drama and scoring an og. And she's, you know, That's maybe I was kind of quite shy and she just seen something and got me involved in all of that. And I think that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now is all because of her. In our national school, it was Gaelic or knitting. Yeah. And I had to go in knitting with all the girls because <laughs> I didn't want to play Gaelic. Did you not? No. No, I was just a bit fat and a bit crap at football. And I was yeah, always... Maybe pick- I was the same. I was like, always that was picked it. last. But um, then I was in knitting. <laughs> So are you good at the knitting then? No, I sure no. I was, I'm not good I'm no good at anything. I was in there Stop. probably chatting them up and bluffing it and <laughs> throwing wool around the place, being a messer. But um where did you go to secondary school then? Secondary school then was Ballymote. Um Is that a big school? as well. Yeah, it was Closh the were in Ballymote, went to secondary school, repeated the leave insert, but had a great time as well. Like I, I did love school. You know, you hear these stories where people aren't happy in school, mm. generally saying well, it's like, lovely to hear that you, you, you know, enjoyed I, it. it was, I was happy. But why did you repeat the leave-in? I repeated the leave-in because I obviously didn't do good enough the first time. Um, good enough for what, though? Like, that's I don't know. There was a lot of a lot of things happened maybe towards the end of leave-in cert. My granddad died the week before our leave-in cert. There was a lot of disrupt. Like you know, okay. there was a lot of things. You know, a couple of lads in our in our in our class drowned in Strand Hill. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that years ago um just a couple of weeks before our leave and search and i think that for you know for everyone in our year it was a really difficult right time and i just think my head wasn't in it and do you know what the other thing was i was 17 doing the leave and search and i i do think i was just a little bit young i wasn't ready to leave home i wasn't ready to go away to college okay and definitely the doing the extra year did bring up my points I got arts in Galway I did arts in Galway because I really didn't know what arts. I wanted to do arts you were doing arts I did a good I'd say 14 or 15 hours a week <laughs> in NUIG right um, because I really I knew what I wanted but I didn't know how to get there it was you know okay I think that and were you sociable as a teenager yeah I think I was yeah what did, what did you used to do like did you go to teenage discos or where did you go yeah we did go to discos but I, I think it was all the drama and the acting and stuff. We were always doing plays and oh, competitions. Cool. And, you know, I think, I don't think I would have been one of these kids that was full of confidence. I, I'm still not full of confidence. Like if you ask anyone, um, and I don't think I'll ever be that type of person. I kind of think I blended into the black background and, you know, I was friendly with people, but I wouldn't have been, you know. Did you do that? I wouldn't have been one of the like real popular lads, I don't think. You wouldn't have been? No, I don't think so, no. I no. find that hard to believe because when I worked with you, everyone loved you. And I'm not saying that to blow smoke up your arse. Yeah. But you were the you were the centre of the office. <laughs> the drama queen. No, no, you I don't yeah, I don't I don't think I would have been more, right. I don't see myself that I was like that. I think I just, you know So um got on with what things. was the story then with Dayton then growing up or were you messing around with girls? Yeah, or no, what were I, you doing? I did have girlfriends, yeah. Yeah. And um, were you questioning yourself or what, what was, what was the story there? Like, I don't know when you grow up and when you're gay, there's always something, you always feel a little bit different, but it's very easy for me. What I always did, I just put it to the back of my head. It was a different part to me. I could, I could literally put that element in a box and just put it to that side of my brain. I never really worried about it, but like growing up, I never thought anything would ever come of it. I never wanted I was obviously in that stage. I, I was fearful of what, you know, of who I was and all of that. And I never, I never thought I would ever tell anybody. Like I'd take it to the grave and that was just what was going to be the way my life was going to be. And, you know, I was okay with that. That was fine. I never wanted anybody to know growing up, which looking back obviously is, is sad. Um, but it's what so many people. Why didn't you want anyone to know? Oh, there's so many emotions that go with it. There's shame. There's fear of rejection. There's what people will think of you. There's, you know, there's so much. You're angry at yourself. You just don't know. You're just not. You're not yourself. And you've, you see no way out 
of that? So it's really interesting because when I was growing up, if I say I was late shifting girls and that kind of crap, yeah. but I remember if you did shift somebody, there'd be so much excitement and a buzz and you'd be like into school telling the lads, you know, I shifted Mary and, you know, and then you'd be trying to see her again and you'd be, you know, holding hands and meeting at lunchtime and the, just the, the buzz and the mm. excitement that came with it. But you obviously weren't getting any of that then from any. I mean, your, I had a couple of girlfriends, and I, I think I probably struggled. I didn't really know what was going on for a good few years, especially in those kind of early teenage years. Like I probably, you know, I because I always had it in my head that I would get married and have kids. Right. So I always thought that would happen, and you know, that was just what you did. Like, and you so know, you just get on with it. Was when was the realization then, or when did you say, right, well, I don't want to be with? I women. was very late coming to the gay party, to be honest. Um, I didn't come out till I was 30. And it was only after I met I met Shane and kind of realised, you get to a point, you're like, what am I doing? Like, what's it all about? Do you mind me asking, was that difficult? Like, how did you say, right, I'm coming out now at 30? Um, it was difficult. Um, Who did you tell first? <laughs> God, I'm so nervous about this conversation. <laughs> we don't have to have it if no, you don't want to. No, I think it is. I think it's important. Like, you know, there could be, even if there's one person who's listening, it might help. That's obviously kind of why I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it. Um, do you remember who you told first? Do I remember? Yeah. You don't I have to name my, them. Yeah, though. no, I told um, some of my cousins. All yeah. Right. And? At first. And I just, because I'd met Shane and I was just like, what? You know, this is just... This is what it, it's about. When you have a connection with someone, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And what was their reaction? <laughs> the reaction, like so many people, is like, oh, finally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, like, oh, we've been waiting a while for this. <laughs> Most people will tell you that, oh, they knew or they'd guessed or they'd figured it out or something. Okay. Um, telling my family was hard. Um, was... I'm the oldest of, like, three three lads and... And what are they like? Are they like real? My mum and dad are the amazing. They're such. But what are the boys like? Oh, they're like typical lads. Out yeah. GA and like, you know, just. Messing around. Yeah. And I remember when I, t- I remember coming into the room that evening and just being really upset and, and crying. And like when my mum and dad were sitting there and kind of pacing around the room and I closed the door and I was kind of sitting down and. You know, they were like, what's wrong with you? And I just, I, I couldn't actually speak. And they were like, um, and they'd obviously decked there was something, you know, and they were like, you know, do you need, is there something you need to tell us? And I was kind of like, yeah. And then my dad was like, have you met someone? And I was like, yeah. And uh, I couldn't, I was, I was, I was, I couldn't speak really. And he just came over and I remember and he just put his hand on my knee and he said, it's all right. Like, just say it. It doesn't matter. Like, we're happy for you. and We love you. And uh, he was like, so you've met someone? And he goes, and, and is it a boy? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And that was it. And that was, you know, and mom and my brothers, Joe and David, like everyone, every, I have to say, I was very lucky that everyone was extremely supportive. Who, um, who were you nervous about telling the most? Is there anyone in particular that you said? Oh God, I don't know. Because this is the thing, you have to go through telling everybody. Yeah. It becomes, it, it's like a big production. And people often say, you know, why do people feel they have to come out? Or why, you know, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. But is there anyone um, I don't think there was anybody. Well. My grandmother, who was alive at the time, I probably, I didn't ever want her to know about it. Now, whether she did, I never had that conversation. And I think I was just more comfortable maybe that she didn't. Were you close to your grandmother? Yeah, very, yeah. She was 97 when she died. And was she um, a typical grandmother where she was going, oh, are you ever going to find a woman and settle down? Do you know, she wasn't really like that either. Well, maybe she knew. Yeah, maybe she did. And she'd seen, you know, she'd been through a lot of hardship in, over the years. And her, one of her sons had, had passed away at a young age. And, you know, she'd had a tough enough life. and But she'd seen so much as well. And, like, we underestimate older people. Absolutely. They've I, seen it all. I find the older they get, the less of a of effect they give yeah you know i even see it with my own mother now since yeah. she's a grandmother yeah i could go home and send them to her and she'd i know be like, yeah and part on. of me regrets maybe that um she didn't maybe meet shane or you know that okay. it, but then that for just for me at that time it was just happier that that was the way but the other you see the thing was so i'd met shane but shane was living in australia 
at the time when we met and obviously moved back to Australia. So we did a bit of a long distance. But then there were, I think I told my family, they like, came out to my family, but I also told them I moved them to Australia. And I think that was the bigger <laughs> shock. Um, I'm gay, bye. Two. That was the bigger <laughs> shock. But they were happy. And look, they love him. And, you know. Well, you're lucky then. That, that's a, that's ex- a really nice we're story. extremely lucky. We got married in December, which, like, you know, I said in my speech on the day, like, we never thought growing up that that would ever be our reality and that we would ever be married. Standing up in front of all our family and friends, uh, mm. we got to have as many of them there as possible, given the way everything was going. Um, I wasn't there. <laughs> we had a lot of cutbacks the week before. <laughs> it was a very stressful time. Um, but yeah, it was a great... It was it was the best day of our lives, hands down. What advice would you give somebody listening to this that is struggling to come out and kind of worried what mum or dad would say or their brother would say or that they're not going to be accepted? They probably have it so built up in their own heads that there just is so much fear. And at the end of the day, the people around you, the pe- your family, the majority, look, I, I get it that there's situations where not everyone, maybe first off is as supportive, they they love you and it doesn't you know it might take them a little bit of time to get their heads around it and that's okay that's fine you've had all your life or you know the best part of your life to get your head around it and the, the most important thing is that you are happy in yourself and everything else will fall into place and it is the biggest weight off your shoulders I guarantee you. I never said the words to my my family they you know we we kind of skirted around it yeah. until eventually it came out but just be, you know, tell somebody that you you know you trust. Like if there is a, like a close cousin or a friend or maybe one of your siblings, you know, and and try and tell them and and see how it goes from there. Easy it isn't. It, it is. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. I admire some of the younger people out there now who are just living their best lives and fair play to them. And I think maybe growing up in a small village in rural Ireland, obviously, you know, plays a part. But yeah, just. Just try and be yourself because you're only one life and it's just so much better when you're happy in yourself. Didn't think I'd be talking about this for so much of this podcast, okay, to we'll, be honest. We'll, we'll move on then. But I, I really appreciate your honesty and I, I know how difficult it is to talk about. And I was so proud of you when I saw you in a magazine and I just thought, you know, everything I, everything I see you doing, I, I say, that's my friend, Paul. You know, and like we said earlier on, I might not talk to you for six or eight months or even 12 months. But every time I see you on the telly or every time I see you in a magazine or every time I see you in a viral blooper that we'll talk about in a minute, I just think that's my friend, Paul. And I'm so proud to be your friend. That's very nice of you to say. And likewise, we're extremely proud of all you're doing and oh, all no, you're no. achieving. I'm not looking for compliments here. And all your I've... followers. <laughs> if half of your followers followed me, I'd be doing all right. Um so then you were in radio then. Yeah. And did you always want to be in TV or how did you, how did you go from radio? Like they're, they're two totally different worlds. Totally different. I always wanted to be a news reporter. I remember like telling my neighbor, Marion Sweeney, when I was, I think, six or seven, that yeah. I was going to be a news reporter. And like growing up, looking at the likes of Pat Kenny and Gay Byrne and all these people, I just thought, oh my God, that's the coolest job ever. Yeah. You know, you're like, maybe I was always just a little bit nosy and newsy where I just thought, you're telling all these people this really important stuff. I don't know why. I just, that's, you know. And now, look, it, it took me a while to get to my first radio job. Like I was saying, I used to be the manager in the Folk Park in Riverstown when I finished college. And yeah. I did arts and then I did uh, journalism and media in Griffith College. And I was always plugging away. I was one of these people who was sent on my CV to radio stations every it's such a hard Every industry to co- crack. It's so hard to crack into. And you have to sell your soul for a few months. Like, you nearly have to go in and do it for free. But I, I was offering, I was offering yeah. all these, you know, radio stations. I will go in, make the tea and coffee. I just, I felt I just needed to be in the building yeah. and maybe I could end up doing something. But that's how it happens. You have to. I know, you it's just kind of crazy. I know it is. I know it is, but you have to be. And what I find about radio, and I tell everyone is, it's no good if you can just do one thing. Yeah. You have to be able to do two or three different yeah. things to get in and to be valuable yeah. because they'll all tell you there's no money in radio. Mm. Whereas if you can make the tea and answer the phone, well, then we'll give you a few news stories yeah. as well at the end of the day. Like I was plugging away, as I said, for years and said, now I did, a, there was like Sligo Community Radio. I remember I was like doing that uh, news on that, like, oh, again, all voluntary in 
Griffith College. I was, you know, we did a, a local station for two weeks. I was head of news and that. So you were always like just doing different little bits. And then I went to Australia with one of my best friends, John Paul, um, when I was maybe 24, 25. We went for a year traveling. And I, when I was there, I was just like, you just have to give it one more shot and try and do what you want to do. Sent off the CVs again, like Billy off to every corner of Ireland. And I was back from Australia, maybe six months, and I got a call from um, my first ever news editor, Mary Claire Greeley, in yeah. Shannon Side Radio. And she just said they were looking to get some new people in. Would I come in and just um, do a voice test? So that was the first. And I went in, read a couple of um, news stories, like did a mock-up bulletin. I remember her telling me, do your best, best Brian Dobson. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave it socks. Um, Can you do it there now? <laughs> No, I could never compete. <laughs> um, I'm the poor man's Brian Dobson. Oh, not at all. Um, and I remember just and then getting getting a call a couple of weeks later telling me I had the job, and it was just the it was just the most yeah it was the best thing that ever happened. And I think local radio for people who are starting off, I, I I've always said that you'll never work as hard as you do in local radio. Yeah, because you do everything. Like I was there for four years, and you know you might be on the early news shift, and you're in early, and you're doing the bulletins and you know you're helping out with the current affairs show in the afternoon you could be presenting that current affairs show you have to have stories you know we we were trained like you have to have your stories for the next day and at some at some stage somewhere you're going to be landed in it and that's local radio and then it's sink or swim yeah that's how it works yeah you're in and you're doing the best you can then you have to prove yourself and then you actually have to be good at what you do yeah um now look i think people can go I, I, I would hate to listen back to my first bullet and, and to, to listen to what I maybe sounded like or I was probably racing through it or not breathing properly or any of these oh, things. Yeah. But I you, you can you can train yourself to improve over the, over the years. And a lot of it comes with experience, mm. you know, news judgment, you know, knowing what a top line of a story is, all of that. And there's less and less people maybe coming through oh, now there than there was years is. ago. Yeah, you know, I talk to like colleagues in in radio and TV, and you know, there's not there's not the influx of young people coming up through local radio that mm-hmm. want to get to national or 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 otherwise. And I don't know why that is. Do you think is radio dying? I wouldn't think so. I hope not. I think radio is such a good um, like medium, and I I love radio. I think it's. But is that just because you're a radio head? Maybe. Like if you think about like, but it. But now you see, like when you talk to a lot of people and you're like, where are you getting your news? And it is Instagram and TikTok, Twitter. More so TikTok and Instagram. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll, I'll ask a lot of my younger cousins. And I think that's the challenge for everyone in media, whether you're radio or TV, is to to offer something to the, that audience and maybe try and entice them to come to your main, you know, platform or whatever. But, you know, and I think that's something that we're all trying to do. Sure, I'm trying to do. Like, and I'm not, I, you know, like when, like I was, I think, in the middle of Shannon's side when Twitter was set up. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't TikTok, there wasn't all of these things. So um, how did you go then from radio to TV? So radio, I spent four years in Shannon's side radio. Loved every minute of it. Was a dream job. And then when I met Shane, he was living in Australia. So I gave up the job and I moved to Australia. And I really didn't know what was going to happen. I was, I didn't think I'd get a, a job in radio. I just said, I'll, like, I'll do something. I'll do. So what did you do in Australia? So I got really lucky. I got a job with ABC News. So ABC wow. is the state broadcaster. Like the BBC. In, it's like the BBC or RT yeah. here. And just, they were looking for, for freelancers Went in one day, they just, I don't know. They was just, that radio or TV? It was all radio, yeah. So okay, it was all radio. radio. So it was, right. yeah, it was like a 24-hour news service, ABC News Radio, that I worked with. And I worked on the air, usually the early morning shift. So I was up about 3 a.m., 3.30. You're done by 9. Worked with amazing people um, and stayed there four years. And then when I moved back home again, you're like, you know yourself, you come back, you're like, where am I going to get a job? What kind of reception did you get out there? When oh, you were, when really good. Air? Yeah. Like, like the Irish accent So I, I, when I went over, I remember interviewing for a couple of the commercial stations in Sydney, like 2GB and T2UX and all these kind of stations. And they told me straight off, you will never be on air. Really? Oh, yeah. Your accent. No, they're like, the, they wouldn't. You're not Australian. You're wow. not going to. You're not going to be in here. You could get some producer shifts or whatever. And I was like, 
yeah, sounds great. Happy days. Yeah. And then the ABC came up and they just loved, they loved the fact that you were from Ireland. And I remember them saying to me, um, oh, we're going to get you on the, um, we're going to get you panelling. And I was like, what's panelling? Like, <laughs> you know, what are you on about? That's a carpentry yeah, phrase. I'm like, well, I could try my hand at anything, but I'm not sure I'd be any good at it. And they were like, it meant basically in the desk presenting and like working all the faders. Like that's what they called it, panelling. And I was like, all right, okay. And then the, I was on air. And like, this is a national broadcaster you know, Australia's 26 million people living in it. We went like right across Australia into Asia Pacific, all these like regions. And you're on, like I, I never, you never stop to think about it. Even now, I don't really stop to think about how many people are, or who's listening yeah. or watching you. Um, but it was a, it was a great job. They were a great team to work with. Yeah, I had, I had the best time. And what was Australia. so different about them? How were they so? open and willing to take on the Irish accent when nobody else They were the state broadcaster and they obviously, you know, are able and probably encouraged to have more diverse voices and views and opinions and... Right. Not that you ever show your views or opinions as a news reporter, but, you know, the different voice, they just loved it. Okay. Remember you get the odd person in being like, you know, is there no Aussies to read the news or, or whatever? Would you, yeah. Yeah, you get a little bit of that and I remember... You got no Aussies to tell the fucking news. You were like, because... you know, I was doing different things. I was uh, writing news bulletins. I was obviously presenting, but then you're like writing the features and you, I was doing um, EP, which is executive producer when before I left. So you're running the show and then maybe there's a team of six or seven. Some of these people are veteran Aussie journalists and like, here's me, this lad over from Ireland. I, and a colleague of mine, Claire McGreal, used to work with me as well and we always thought any day someone's just going to come in tap us on the shoulder and say, you two chancers, <laughs> out the gap. <laughs> Who let Be- you in? Yeah, because it just was such good opportunity and, but people loved us and obviously it's the way you work and I think, as I said, if you, like, you work hard in local radio, you're, if you're able to work with people, you know, of all ages, of all abilities, backgrounds, you'll get on fine. If you're just, you know, a people's person, you're going to be fine. And it, yeah, it was, it was really exciting. You'd, the odd time you'd like, you'd ring up guests, like put them on the, and they'd be like, top of the morning to you. Oh, you're really? Like, oh, come on. Yeah, get you know, over it. But did anyone in, tell in you to go out to the farms? No, 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 not to your face. No, not to my face. Anyway. And how did you get into Virgin Media then? We decided we moved home from Australia and... I was lucky enough then I got a, a job with News Talk, um, News Talk Today FM for two years. And then the opportunity in Virgin kind of came out of nowhere. The head of news and sport there, Mick McCaffrey. Are Virgin connected to News Talk? No. No, okay. No, no, no. So um, they, I think they were like looking for a couple of new people or whatever. And I'd, I, th- I never really thought that I would be any good or maybe I'm, you know. And like just one, I never really thought about TV, um, but I thought, you know what, I love, I love a challenge. And as I said, I'm kind of determined and I just thought like, wouldn't it be great just to see if I can do it, you know? Mm. And our head of news, sports, Mick McCaffrey had a chat with him and he was like, sure, why don't you come in? You know, we'll do a screen test, do a piece to camera, see how you get on. And he gave me my break. And that's the thing I find about radio is that I get bored after a couple of years. If you're not progressing Mm. and you're not pushing yourself, if you're if you're in there doing the same thing every day, I just get so bored and I want to be doing something extra. I'm and I'm always thinking. What can we do next? Or what's the, how do we bring this to the next level? And then you're told in a lot of local radio stations, you're like, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Just go in and do it and shut up and go home. Like I, to be honest, I have to say there's great opportunities in in Virgin, but I still feel like I'll be there four years in September. I still feel like I'm only in the door and I still feel that there's so much more to do. Is there, um, Um, is there any jobs going? I'll put in a good word. <laughs> um, and there is so, like, I have to say, there is so much opportunities. Like, we get to do different news stories every single day of the week. So, so every day is different. It's not, it's never the same. When you're doing your piece to camera. Yeah. Is that on a teleprompter? No. Stop it. No. So you're standing outside the road and you're given all them statistics it's and all, all those. Your, it's all in your head or maybe written down. On but you see other news people have a teleprompter in front of them. Like maybe they're in America or yeah. Do you ever no. watch Colin Flynn? Oh yeah, maybe Colin Flynn has it all. Yeah, he has it all on a teleprompter. Yeah, and he no, shows we, you on his Instagram. We don't. Like I think if this if it's a big production and maybe like the anchors are out, like you know, presenting from an OB 
they might have a teleprompter, obviously, because they need to get through stuff. But for the all of us reporters, so you're there's here, no teleprompter. Let's say you're here at the Clayton Hotel and there was a big fire and 36 bedrooms and there was all these statistics. Yeah. And you have to know all them in your head. Yeah. And is it live? Yeah. But that's the gig. But you never mess up. <clears throat> oh, I don't know. You never you never like you do, ever mess up. No, I, I'm maybe I'm lucky. I've never had anything, you know, that's gone wrong. Or, but you, but the most so important impressive. thing is that you you know what you're talking about. You have your facts, and if you don't know what you're talking about, then don't don't say it. Don't right. go down that. You know, yeah. You you can only tell people the information that you have at that time. Are you very good at retaining information? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Again, I think that goes back to Mary Gilligan, and that goes back to the drama, learning <laughs> scripts, learning the, off a script. I couldn't tell you maybe three weeks later what the script was. I think I was good at that in my leave insert, even though I had to do it twice. I think I was good at just retaining information. Because the lady that looked after us here coming into the hotel, she was so lovely. And I said, I better go now and say thanks to her when I'm finished. And you forgot her name. I can't remember her name now. So I'm going to have to find out before we leave. But you'd probably have her star sign and everything. <laughs> you'd be like, oh, <laughs> she told me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not a That's very psychic. impressive. So there's been a few viral moments then. Okay. Uh, the famous one is when you were in Pennies. Yeah. And tell us about that. <laughs> um, that was, so I was working that day. So mm. I was working that morning and I was covering it for news. And obviously it was a big deal because retail had been shut for so long. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the stories that we did in Virgin Media over the last couple of years, were, were we tried to do with the, the stories that people cared about. Yeah. So it was like, you know, when International Flying came back, I was really lucky, got the opportunity to hop on a plane, go to Spain and actually show people like what it's like getting on a plane, wearing your mask, checking in, what documents you need, what's it like over there, oh, that, you know, walking through people through it. Yeah. Um, you know, when the pubs, the restaurants, all that, the COVID certs, do you remember you had to have the COVID certs yeah. getting in, like how it all works. So Penny's was just one of those, it's a big, iconic Irish brand and it's like, you know, you're always guaranteed to get the queues, queues around the, the block, from the early hours of the morning. And so I'd done my piece. We'd interviewed, you know, a few people heading in. Everything was done. And I was kind of freed up for about a half an hour before I had to start getting ready for the 12.30 news. So you so went I shopping. said, you know what? You nip upstairs now to the menswear and see what's, what's happening up there. That was grand. My colleague Brianna was working on Ireland AM. Yeah. And she was doing her reports into into Ireland AM. So I was separate. I was doing for news. She was doing Ireland AM and she'd been doing stuff outside and we'd been talking to them and all of that. That was fine. So I went up, bought a few bits, was coming back down and I remember coming around the corner <laughs> and seeing um, Alvaro as one of our camera operators and I remember seeing the orange jacket that he'd on him and I thought, oh, they're inside. But then I seen the light. that You knew they were live. So then I knew I was in bother. <laughs> Because if I had to keep, there was no other way to go. So if I had to keep walking, I was right up, right up beside them. So you swung out into the so aisle. So I took a kind of a sharp turn to the right. Yeah. To dodge the bullet. But it's the way you took it. And you lamped the it was more the producers then on Ireland AM that put a little bit of music to it yeah. and spotted it happening at the time. I thought I got away with it. I thought I was in the clear. So okay. I'm like, oh, grand. That was a close one. And uh, then, like, get a call from, like, one of the producers going, that was hilarious. And I was like, what was hilarious? And they were like, yeah, we just spotted you. Do you know what's really interesting about uh, social... Like, you're saying, you know, people get their news from social media. But isn't social media so dangerous at the same time? It can be. At how quickly something can spiral out of control. Yeah. You know, and I do talk to a lot of people. Well, I don't talk to a lot, but a lot of like TY uh, coordinators and things like that would ask me to come in and, and talk to schools. Now, I've never done it because I just kind of feel, like, who am I to go in and talk to them? Yeah. But it's really interesting. There was another instant where you were at the side of the footpath. Yeah. And I can see your face now that you're getting a little bit uncomfortable about it. But you were doing a report on cocaine. Well, I wasn't was actually. It? This is the thing. It was a different story. It actually was a, it was a road safety uh, story. Right. That we were doing, and I had done a piece to camera, and it was when people were, I think, caught That's by cool. the guards. Like, how many had a percentage of alcohol in their system? How many had percentage of cocaine? How many had percentage of, you know, okay. whatever else? And that was the actual story that I was doing. You said such a percentage of cocaine. Yeah. 
And then a man was going past pushing his bicycle. Yeah. And he shouted into the microphone, I love cocaine. Yeah. It was just one of those. I don't I, I don't even remember seeing the man walking up the street or whatever. And he just obviously heard me mention the word. And he, you know, for the laugh, obviously, he said he said that. Tested positive for alcohol. Almost one in ten had cocaine in their system. I love cocaine. Yeah, like it's it's kind of scary in the fact that um you know that that clip literally did the rounds in a whatsapp group um and it's a lesson it's a lesson that things just you didn't intend it no 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 no, that wasn't supposed to be out that wasn't meant to go anywhere no there's no harm in it no of course there's no harm not at all and you didn't say anything you kept your composure yeah no i was but you didn't intend it to go viral and you didn't intend anyone to see it no but yeah. everyone saw it. Yeah. And then you started getting, people started yeah, send, like sending people it to you. and from all over, like I literally was sent it from people in the US. But Australia, just to clarify, you sent it to somebody. Yeah, I put yeah. it into my family WhatsApp You group. sent it to your family. Yeah. So you've nobody to blame but yourself. My family, yeah. And uh, and your Shane. family ratted you out. It, it went from there. Yeah, <laughs> I have suspicions. But, but it, that's so interesting. And I love this story. And, you know, I appreciate that you're not very comfortable talking about it. But you sent it to your family thinking, they'll they'll get a bit of crack out of that. Yeah. And then two or three days later, you're getting sent it from all around the world. Yeah. It just shows how things can can take off. It's so Um, dangerous. It is. And, you know, I was like, like it was trending in the Netherlands at one stage. (laughs) Um, And it still pops up on social media every now and again. It does, yeah. Which is a bit, a bit mad. But it's it's the talk around it. I remember there was loads of articles being written about it. And like saying that this is the story I was covering at the time. Like that wasn't the case. Right. You know, and even the pennies thing, like it was a bit of a laugh. Um, But, the, you know, people were like, oh, and I remember there was an article written and that I had gone upstairs and I'd bought two shirts and I'd bought something like, no, I like. Oh, they just added legs. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not the case. And look, I do think I am a, a news reporter and a journalist and. It is. A, it's a serious job at times. But look, things happen and sometimes you have to be able to just see the funny side of it. I wouldn't want to be having those moments all the time. Though. No. How Who, do you how do you find your stories? Do you go in? Do you go into an office? Are you ever in an yeah, office? Some, yeah, no, we are in, in and out of the office. Yeah, <laughs> you said that so high pitched. No, I, we are. It sounds no. like a lie. No, 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 no genuinely. No, <laughs> genuinely. But I suppose over COVID, like it was just we weren't. We were kind of out on the road all the time. But no, we we do be in and out of the office. Um, so but do, a lot of us were were on the road. So how that's many of just, you were on the road? Oh, how many reporters? Like there could be about ten of us, ten reporters and correspondents. And um, then you come on a story. And you have to feed that back to somebody so no, nobody yeah, else so covers look, it. Look, there's, you know, there's a chain of command. There always is. There's the news editors in the morning. You have a chat with them in the morning about maybe what's happening. Mm. Could be a quiet day. Could be a busy day. There could be different markings. Different ministers are out and about. You know, an incident might have happened down the country. And your news editor will assign you to, you know, where they want you to go. Right. And your camera crew with you. And you just head off and you cover the story. So it starts with you going into an office every morning. No, not, not necessarily. Okay, no, there might be a phone call. Book. Phone call. Right. Give the boss a call, or maybe something has been set up from the night before, or but then maybe nothing's happening, and that's our job as well is to is to break stories and to 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 speak to people like that incident where you know speaking to to Tom's family. That was something that I you know said. Look, I'll I'll see if they're happy to speak to us, and I got in touch with them, and we obviously had the first interview then. And do they send you because you're the Sligo man? <laughs> Maybe I don't know about that. I'm always look. I always love to get down the country. I yeah. do think you know you have to. It's important that you're telling stories from right right across the country that it's not too Dublin based. Um, so I just love getting down home and getting down to tell stories down this part of the world. You've met so many famous people as well on your travels. Yeah, you do meet a, you do meet really interesting people. Yeah. Do you love that, or is it just another day at the office? Ah, look, it's nice if you meet somebody that you admire. Obviously, who have you met that you've admired the most? Oh my god! I see. I knew you were going to ask me this, and I was trying to think about it. I don't know who I like admire the most. Who do you aspire to be? Um, no, but look, and I know Gar- Gareth Brooks. Yeah, Gareth Brooks. Well, we met him. He's he's good character. And like the thing about him was, you know, my I grew up listening to his music with my dad in the car. My dad would always be playing his song, like singing along to the song. So like meeting him was it was he was has a good to be the biggest superstar in the I world. I met the Pope. 
I mean, the Pope maybe doesn't classify himself as a superstar. This current Pope? The current Pope. Where did you meet him? Uh, so when he was visiting Ireland, I was part of the press corps, small Irish group of journalists who got to meet You were on the, the plane? I was on the Pope's plane. You were on the Pope's plane. Any yeah. crack on that? That was, look, that was definitely, you know, it was it was a career highlight because it doesn't happen very often. The, the Pope, the previous Pope hadn't been here in 40 years or there hadn't been a, a papal visit in 40 years. I was I got on that trip. I was working for News Talk at the time. It was just actually before I finished with News Talk and went to Virgin Media. And you travel over to Rome the day before because you have to travel on the plane with him. So you have like a briefing at the Vatican with all his press people and they go through his itinerary and what you're included in or, you know, because you can sign up to do all these different events. But logistically, you can only do so much. Um, So we got then the next the next morning, they collect you really early. It's called the um the Vatican accredited media people vamp you're in the vamp it's like it's the shit it is it's the the elite yeah and you're collected we're brought to the plane and then when you leave rome the plane is called shepherd one wow um when the pope is on it right so when it's not it's called (laughs) boeing 737 (laughs) ei246 exactly yeah um So we left and then then he comes back down the plane because we're obviously sitting got it down the plane. They're up the front. So how many people are in the van? I think there was now look from Ireland. There was maybe about six journalists. That's um, a small vamp. Irish, but then you've international journalists and you have these journalists who follow the Pope everywhere he goes. Yeah. You know, the likes of the CNNs and the BBCs and all these people who, they are the royal correspondents or royal reporter or not royal, sorry. The, um, like, you know, religious correspondents or religious Colin reporters. Flynn does that. Yeah. And it's not royalty. No, <laughs> and uh, well, so then... They, they would argue, <laughs> but go on anyway. <laughs> so then you meet the Pope and that was a pretty cool... He comes back and he like talks. Now he doesn't... He didn't have great English. But Sherlock, he's saying a few prayers and blessing a few rosary beads if mm. you have them. And, and you got a selfie with him. You get... It's not a selfie now. You get a picture with him. There's like a professional photographer. Oh, I think and a selfie And my colleague Zara King was there for uh, Virgin Media at the time. And so I remember she got a really good picture for me and then you get your professional professional pictures as well. Right. So that was a pretty cool and then the the trip itself, you know, you're covering it for news, you're like reporting on what's happening and it's really interesting. Would you like, be religious? Um I no, I wouldn't think I'm religious, no. But you'd have a bit of faith, like Yeah. 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 But it was just a really cool experience and yeah. something that you're not gonna not gonna happen all the time. And did you have to and then you have, but you have to fly back to Rome. This is the thing. So then you're in Dublin and like you're in the hotel, but it's like high security. Like, I mean, this is, you know. Nobody getting in or out. Nobody getting in or out. And then you finish up the trip. And I remember we left the Phoenix Park. It was like the last gig on the Sunday. And we were like, we'd even left before the mass had finished or whatever. And we were on a bus back to out to the airport. And, you know, you're then you're back on the plane to Rome. Like you're, there's, you know, the guards and everything. You're like speeding through down the m50 and like you're just taking like the the care that they they do is like amazing like you're just really well looked after and then you fly back on the plane because he does his post he does the press conference so uh then the irish team of journalists are allowed to come up with like maybe you know two questions and you nominate somebody to ask the questions and i i obviously at the time i think one of the questions we we did ask was about um you know the clerical sex abuse scandal and meeting victims of clerical sex abuse while he was in dublin and what he said to them and, and you know all of that kind of thing and then the plane lands Next minute, you're there collecting your bag and you're outside this airport in Rome waiting in a queue for taxis, like with everyone else. Good like, luck, I remember one of the journalists said to me, yeah. literally 24 hours ago, we were being rushed through, like, you know, <laughs> VIPs. And here we are now waiting for taxis with like 100 other people. Game over. Yeah, but it was a great, great experience. Loved it. Yeah. And that's the highlight of your career. It, look, I, I don't know if I'd say it's the highlight. Was like, there you any- meet interesting people all the time. But, like, you meet people who are not famous or, you know, celebrities, and they can really have an impact on on you as well. I remember covering a story with a young lad who's 30, Pahinan is his name, and he um, got cancer. And going down to interview him and just talking about him and his journey and, like, how he got through it and, you know, what his hopes were. And now 
he's living in Dubai and he's just living his best life and it's so good to see him. But but it's it's things like that sometimes that really stay with you and you're constantly thinking, you know, oh God, I wonder how they're doing or because they're so open. Like I can't imagine if that was me and I was going through something so horrendous that I would want a television reporter and a camera telling your story. But he did it because, you know, just to, I suppose raise awareness. And a lot of, you know, that that's some of the stuff we do. You meet really interesting people in all walks of life. You're out covering an awful lot of bad news. The majority of it will be bad news. Mm. Does it ever affect you? No, I wouldn't say so. You, have, no, I don't think you, like, affects, look, there's obviously stories which are so horrendous, but they're not, it doesn't, it's not me. I, I look at, like, the people that are impacted, and you look at their families, and, like, everyone, and you think, God, help them, like, that is just so sad but what you're there to do is to report on what's happening if it's in the public interest to tell those people's stories in the best way most professional way you can be very conscious that there's friends and family perhaps that are watching and that's just your job do you ever get shit for it do you ever pull up at a scene and they're like oh here look at this now would you Um, not give them a bit of privacy Look, you can often arrive at places and there, you know, there might be a little bit of tension or. But I think in Ireland, we're very lucky. We're, di- we're, we're different to other countries. And even in Australia, I remember a lot of the, you know, the stations would be out there and in people's faces. I feel that here we're a lot more. Maybe it's the, just the way of the Irish people that we're not as we're not intrusive like that. I'd hope that we are very conscious of the stories you're covering the people that you're you're talking to that these are communities that are going through probably the worst thing that's happened to them in a long time i think you're a little bit like me in that you don't think about the past and you just get on with it and you don't think about that was a brilliant thing or that was the highlight you're just getting on to the next thing all the time i'm extremely lucky but i never take it for granted i never take the fact that i'm in a job that i love and i think you're learning new things every day you said earlier on that you had no confidence. Yeah. And yet... I think you have a certain level of confidence. Look, I, I think when I say that... Like, I have, a conf- I have a belief in myself and, you know, what I'm doing and, like, my, my job and my career and where I want to go. But, yeah, I don't know. Who does have confidence? Like, everyone has a lack of confidence at times. But, Jesus, no? you're your man on the telly. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're here watching you and I thought you had your lines just reading them off a screen. But you have to learn all your lines. Yeah. Then go to air and not mess up. Yeah. And, geez, that takes some confidence. But so where where do you think you're not confident? Like, where are you not confident mm, in yourself? I don't know. I say that. And I don't know. Maybe growing up, I wasn't, I didn't have as much confidence. Do you ever have um, anxiety? Um, at work. In general, no, any, like, at, at any stage think, of your I life. Think, I don't think I suffer too bad with it, no. Are you ever in a supermarket and see somebody looking at you? No. And then... Do people recognize you? The odd time, but not really that often. Met a woman in a supermarket a couple of weeks ago with my mum and she recognized and she she was like, oh, are you down in Sligo on your holidays? And, <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm and from I was like, No, I'm from Sligo. Whatever. But then she was kind of like, I didn't know that. Why didn't I know that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Just. Okay. But you'd never get anyone asking you for like a selfie or? Look, I think you can buy into all that kind of carry on. Like, I think, you know, that's it's a bit mad to me to be honest yeah I, we don't see ourselves like that we are just doing a job like everyone else and no i know yeah because i was telling somebody last night that i was coming over here and he has a fairly big profile online and he said he met you in newbridge were you in newbridge a couple of days ago oh yeah we were doing interviews yeah was it a yeah a music festival or something um yeah well anyway he said he met you there and he wanted to get a photo with you but he couldn't ask you for one <laughs> bizarre <laughs> i know yeah yeah i think that's all just a little bit mad to be honest so like, it kind of yeah it, if it, you're... not that it makes me uncomfortable i just don't see why i just don't get it let's go back to when the pubs open the first night and everyone is in the pub and the pub is rammed yeah. and you have to stand at the front of the pub with the spotlight on you and do a piece to camera yeah are you nervous then no it's a bu- you get a buzz out of doing what you do really like i get those kind of butterflies before we go on air you know, even 
I was saying to someone the other day, like you have your the director in your ear, like, you know, counting you down or whatever. And like, you know, 20 seconds, yeah. 10 seconds, five seconds, cue. And like that for me still is like, oh, wow. Like, I love what I do. What's the biggest buzz you've had from TV? Has there been a moment where you're like, yes, we nailed that? Don't think there's been one particular one. No. Like when, when, when your story goes well and when you're, you know, you're live or whatever goes well. And do you ever get... I think when you get good feedback about something that Where does done, the feedback come from? Usually the people. Usually your family will tell you what they thought of it. Twitter. Um, yeah, sometimes. Do your bosses ever say that was brilliant? Well done. Oh my God. Like we definitely get, you know, good feedback from our bosses when we deserve it. Like, <laughs> we I definitely mean, get good no, feedback. No, I mean, you don't want to be like... But they're not bringing you in saying you're mighty bit of stuff. Not the odd time. But that's not what it's about. Do you know what I mean? But it's do you think not a, really. Do you think there's a little bit of that lacking in media in Ireland where that you can't get above your station? And the reason I'm ta- I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying anything about Virgin Media, but I was having this discussion with a radio presenter last week, and this radio presenter isn't allowed to call the show after himself. And the radio station never allow him to be Johnny McGinty. He's always just the afternoon yeah. show. Yeah. And I think that's so wrong. Because I think Johnny McGinty can bring in more listeners. Mm. Johnny McGinty can make it more relatable. And people will connect with Johnny McGinty before they'll connect to um, Sycamore FM or whatever it's called. Like, I think, look, I think it can be different with radio. With TV, definitely. Look, people are looking at you every evening. And I think over the last couple of years, something that um, Virgin Media have done really well is that we've connected with audiences. And especially over COVID, you know, colleagues of mine like Richard and Zara, Gavin... Nicole, I love Zara. Deborah, you know, Ashling, all these different people who are on your screens every evening. Yeah. And people feel like they know you a little bit. And I think when they trust you and they trust the stories that you're telling them, you know, that they, they, they feel that they have that connection. And that's actually something that people would say most year when they come up. They'd be like, oh, how is, you know, how is Zara? How is Richard? How is, you know what I mean? Or they feel like they know. And that's very nice. That and is, in the, fairness, very nice of people to, because that's what it's about. It's not about... It's, you know, it's the stories that we're covering. And maybe I'm fe- I am feel a little bit uncomfortable even talking about, like, people asking you for pictures or stuff. It just never feel That's not why we do it. Isn't that a real Irish thing where people come up to you and say, do you know Zara King? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Do you yeah. get that a lot? Yeah, you do get that a lot. Because yeah. when I was with Midwest, everyone would be saying to you, do you know Parik Walsh? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, his, he sits across from me there for yeah. like, three hours every day yeah but it's nice that people feel that they have that connection and i think we saw our viewership you know increase over the last couple of years especially among younger people and i think with the likes of all the reporters that we have that they just connect with people and the stories we were telling were connecting with people whether that was like you know in the early time of the pandemic with the you know, the, the press conference every evening that we, we took live on on our program on the news. Um, and then the kind of stuff around, you know, the bars, the restaurants, the shops. When were people's lives going to get back to some kind of normality? And they kind of trusted us to find out okay. for them. And I think that has been, like, that's a huge privilege when you are part of a team that does that. What's your What's your goals? What are your ambitions at the moment? keep doing what I'm doing I love what I'm doing but I think you can always get better at it you know like you can always be a little bit better polished coming up with you know good stories that people want to know about yeah just but is that it you just want to be on the road forever more well why not I'm just asking the question yeah I don't have anything that I like you know oh by a certain age I want to be this or I want to be that I'm really happy where I'm I'm at the minute I do always see myself working in media you know, whether that's, you know, behind the scenes or producing. I really enjoyed producing when I was in Australia. But for now, I love being in front of the camera um, for as long as they uh, have me. And uh, like, it's the real Irish thing. Like, it's the real kind of pinnacle. Would you ever like to be like the host of the Late Late Show or something mm. like see, that? I think all of that is very different. And I even see the team on Ireland AM or the six o'clock show and they make it look so simple. I'd love to be on Ireland AM. I think that's a tough gig there. Like Ireland AM is like a three hour live show yeah. and they make it look like they're just shooting the breeze. But I know it's not that simple. Yeah. You've so much stuff going on around you, behind you, cameras, people in your ear talking to you all the time. 
It's like doing a breakfast show when I was with Galway Bay. People would say to you, like, you know, can you do this interview? You don't have time. You have news, you have sport, you have traffic, you have to play at least three songs, you have yeah. to do this, you have to do that. Like there's the bread and butter stuff that you have to do because that pays, you yeah. know, that pays the bills. Yeah. And, and it's, that's just, really it's similar on the TV show. There's cer- a certain two minutes for this and three minutes yeah. for that and four minutes for that. And yeah. then you get the interviewee that comes in and he's like, um, <laughs> and you're like pulling it out of him. Like, but that's not. your job then to make them feel at ease. Yeah. And, you know, and just it's a one on one chat and forget about the cameras. So would you like to do going. anything like that? I don't know. Like a talk show or a chat know. show. I love I love news. I've always loved news. Um, whether that's radio or TV, I just really enjoy the job that I do. So I don't have any, you know, thing that that's the ultimate goal. Okay. You know. No, I I just love doing what I, I love doing it. There was a woman uh, from the village years and years ago when Pat Kenny left the Late Late Show, and I don't I don't even know that I was in college maybe or was I still in school. And like she rang my dad and she says, now, get him to get that CV ready and get it into <laughs> because there's a vacancy. And I love that belief that that woman had. Mrs. Boyd thought that that, you know, that I should I should go for that job. Um, so, look, I think, as I said, you have a, it's a lot of people around you that help you along the way. And like my teacher, different people that you grow up with in your family and then you get them breaks. And like, you know, as I said, I'd never thought about doing TV till I met Mick and he was like, sure, why don't you come in and see, you know, and he's really kind of brought in a lot of new people over, over recent years. And do you love Virgin going, Media? Well. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Final question. What advice would you give to somebody that wants to get into media and journalism? I think try and get into your local, either local station, local newspaper, start writing articles. Everyone seems to be a journalist at some point nowadays with their phone and you know the young people are god i sound so old saying that but they're really innovative whether it's on tiktok or instagram or whatever and just get used to all of that because that's you know a really important part of it and just keep plugging away if it's something that you really 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 want to do just you know keep trying to break down those walls or whatever and there is opportunities out there you know, there are opportunities for people. It might take a little bit of time to get into it. But I would say start with your local station, local paper, and just trying to build up a bit of a name for yourself. Do you find and it be, and be nice to people? Do you find it hard to switch off? No, nope. not really. Actually, I'm really lucky. How many yeah. do you work five days a week? Yeah. Are you always looking for the next story? Yeah, you're always you're always interested in it. You're always interested in news. But how do you switch off then? Like you're off this week. Yeah, but I that's that's okay. Like I can still switch off, but I'll still know what's happening in the world, and I'll still you know tune into the bulletin at five thirty, seven o'clock, twelve thirty every day on Virgin Media One. And don't um, forget to check the player. Yeah, I I will check it. I I'm that's just because I'm interested anyway. So if something broke in Sligo this evening, would you go to work? Oh yeah, if like I yeah I'd I'd say here this is happening. I'm here. Let's let's go. Yeah, of course. Because that's the buzz of it. That's what you want to be doing. Do you have the same cameraman? Uh, we have camera men and camera women. Oh, so my apologies, operators. My apologies. A big shout out to Joni. Um, yeah, have... we've camera. Op- we know every day can be different, so it just depends on who you're assigned, what shift they're on, what shift you're on, which is great because you get to meet all of them all the time. Um, and I do have to say we're a really kind of close knit team as well because you're working so closely with 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 the people, and we have a small enough team. Do you do all the traveling in your own car? At or... the moment, yeah. You, yeah. don't, you don't have a Virgin Media bus? No, um, I suppose COVID changed everything. We used to travel with the camera operators to wherever we were going, but with COVID, that, that changed. Paul, thank you so much for your time, and thanks for being so honest, because I know you're on holidays this week as well, and sitting in the Clayton Hotel being grilled by me now is probably the last thing you want to do in your holidays. It was a pleasure. Thanks a million. It was good to see you. And the best of luck with everything. And, and I mean what I said. Every time I see you pop up on my phone... I'm I honestly I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And I and I do I do feel like he's my friend and he's doing mighty and I and, and I, likewise and I love you're doing really well and everyone is really proud of you. Well there's a lot of Instagram versus reality with me. <laughs> I make myself look like I'm doing well to fool sponsors and things like that, but you're actually doing well in the Thank world you. of telly. So Thank you. keep her lit. Thanks so much. Good luck. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Big News Coming Soon podcast is proudly sponsored by BRB Homes. BRB Homes is Ireland's number one award-winning manufacturer of factory-built homes. We take your home from start to finish. Our homes are A-rated and meet planning regulations. We build to your requirements and your budget. The cost includes your home being turnkey and our chartered engineer's fees. Please get in touch reviewing of our show homes a brochure or for more information let brb homes take the stress out of your build check out brbhomes.ie